Welcome to the Law of Startups Podcast. I'm Mike Schneider. And I'm Joe Wallen. Thank you for being with us today. Today, we're lucky to have in the studio, Mr. James Newell of Voyager Capital. James, welcome. Thanks. Thanks for having me. For sure. So now tell us, you're uh, relatively new to Voyager, uh, just recently kind of made your way here from the Bay Area. Is that right? Uh, well, that's that's almost right, um, and so I, I I make sure to draw the distinction um, that I am I'm back in town and I'm not new in town, um, and so one thing that I don't think uh, Seattleites uh, uh, take kindly to is a, a Bay Area carpetbagger necessarily. So um, I, uh, I I'm I'm very much a, a, a local kid, and and having grown up uh, over in Kitsap County, and then uh, you know did my undergrad at uh, University of Washington and. So I've been uh, I've been in the Bay Area for eleven or twelve years now, but uh, but but this was very much of a return home, and um, you know, return to a, uh, you know to a city that I love. Yeah, yeah, that's great. So you had um, part of the, so you're part of the Kitsap Ca- uh, Kitsap County Mafia, and there there are, there are actually quite a few like um, people around downtown from Kitsap County. So that's kind of a fun group. Uh, Eric is part of the kids. Would you put Eric in the Kitsap County? No, Eric's no Eric's nor- from up north, uh, Skagit County. Yeah, or yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Um, yeah, no, um, it's, uh, you know, it's been great. I, you know, I, I have, uh, you know, always had a fondness for, um, you know, for Seattle. And I think that I actually think that part of that, um, is, is growing up in, uh, you know, across the water and looking at the Seattle skyline, you know, basically my uh, entire, uh, childhood, my, all of my formative years. And so, um, I've always, uh, you know, had, had a, had a distinct fondness for cities and skylines. And, and I actually think that that's probably the reason why. Yeah, interesting. Well, so you had so you your your background is I think would be really good for the audience to hear because you did late stage uh, late stage venture capital investing for a, a late stage fund. Yeah, and it's, and I and that's I mean, does Seattle have any late stage funds? Seattle doesn't necessarily have. Um doesn't necessarily have any any sort of true late stage funds. Yeah, um, I think uh, Sheila um, yep. is, 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 is sort of doing, uh, is doing more later stage investing. I think that she's probably the only one who's kind of focused there. Okay. So um, for the audience, that's Sheila at, uh, Tola Capital, Sheila yeah. Gulati. Okay. Keep going. Um, but there's, you know, there's, there's companies that get to that later stage every year. Um, and, uh, and, and, and sort of, you know, grow and mature. And, and so a lot of the, you know, all of the growth stage firms, um, pay attention to Seattle and, and, and want to make sure that they get in front of, uh, those companies as they, you know, as they kind of come through. And, and, and so I think you've seen uh, a lot of the big dollars that get raised um, in the, uh, in those later stage companies. A lot of that happens in the Bay Area. Um, but there's probably, you know, the ecosystem, I think, to this point, um, probably isn't large enough to support a really big growth stage firm that's based solely in Seattle. Um, you know, you might be able to build a firm on the thesis that you're going to do one growth stage deal here, and then also look in other areas. Right. Um, but uh, but as far as having a, a regional focus, I think that that strategy makes a lot of sense at the early stage, um, but probably less sense at the at the later stage. Great. Okay. So for the for the audience members who are um, who are just sort of wondering, well, hey, what is that? What does this mean exactly? What's a late stage fund? I mean, typically, I mean, jargon wise, what we're talking about is like Series C. S- series D, uh, big big chunks of money to basically just really blow out a company that needs the marketing and the other spend to really, really just go after the 
marketing piece, right? The growth piece of the business. Yeah, you're 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 really your expansion capital. Um, that's a, a term that that some people use. I mean, I think at at, at that point the uh, the business has been significantly de-risked, um, and so you're. Uh, you know, you're, but you're investing at much higher valuations. So there, you know, there, there, there truly is no free lunch here. Um, uh, and so you're, you know, you're getting much smaller ownership percentages and you need to have some really, really big outcomes. Um, and that's, you know, why there's, there's been so much talk about, uh, this unicorn, uh, phenomenon and, and all of these, uh, companies that are surviving in the private markets, um, on late stage venture dollars and whether, um, those companies are going to be able to, uh, to get out and 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 be um, you know be the the impactful uh, investments for later stage investors, and I think that that's still very much of an open question. So the uh, so the later stage investors really like to see some of these companies go public. Absolutely. Otherwise, they're sort of stuck. Yeah. Capital is yeah. sort of stuck. Well, there's just I mean you know if you think about it, there's 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 really just not that many acquirers that that uh, have an appetite um, and a balance sheet even you know even more significantly um, to make acquisitions at over you know at over a billion dollars. Um, and so uh, you really need a healthy uh, public markets. You need a healthy IPO um, on ramp and. Um, it feels like you know there's there's been companies that have been been getting out. Um, you know, Yext was the was sort of the most recent uh, IPO to to get out, and um, so it, it feels like things are uh, you know are, are the, the window is decently open right now, um, and you never know uh, where you know cash repatriation um, whether that phenomenon is going to play into the exit environment going forward, but. Um, you know, it, there's there's just been so many private dollars that have come in that you you really need to have um, you know both of those dynamics at play to be able to flush the pipeline, so to speak, of all these private companies that need to do something right um, as they continue what's, to mature. What's the alternative when folks don't go public? Um, I assume they or get acquired. Yep. I mean, how often do these companies that you might come into at, for like a late stage investment that have some degree of success? Um, you know, but, but maybe they don't, they don't, they don't uh, level up to the next level and go public, but they're still successful. I mean, do you see a lot of these companies just kind of ride things out or is it just in the culture of the, you know, because they've taken venture capital uh, that, that that's just kind of not their roadmap that, that they kind of try to go big or uh, I don't know, implode on the way. Yeah. So you, you sort of, t- you sort of see two things. Um, I, I think you see companies that cut to profitability um, because they know that the next round of financing is going to be really challenging. Um, and then you see companies taking an exit that doesn't necessarily feel great for everybody. Um, and, you know, the early stage guys are probably still happy, but, um, you know, if you look at a company like Cloudera, um, which, you know, which is, is now sort of on file to go public. And um, I think they, uh, they think they did around at 4.1 billion um, in 2014, and then you you know you fast forward a couple of years, and now they're on file, um, and the range is you know I think somewhere in the you know two billion dollar range. Um, and so if you're an early stage investor, you're still fine, you're still happy about that, um, assuming that there's no crazy ratchet or anything that's that's um, that's, that's going to get you. But um, you know it's going to be a disappointing outcome for a lot of the the late stage investors, and that's that's a, a bit of a corner case because that was more of, you know that was sort of a strategic investment by Intel. Um, but I think that you see that dynamic um, playing out where companies say, well, this is you know this isn't the the successful IPO necessarily that we. Um, had hoped for when we raised our pre-IPO round, but the business needs money. 
So um, it's the right thing to do for the company. Um, and, and you hope that, uh, you know, the company limps along and executes and um, has a, you know, successful run in the public markets and you can make your return there um, if you're a late stage investor. That makes sense. As a late stage investor, are you looking for the same multiplier that an early stage investor is? Or because you mentioned it's a little bit de-risked, is, um, does the valuation side of things kind of counter that and you still need to get look for like a 10, 10x return or, 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 or are you able to bet on things without aiming for, for quite as high a multiplier because you know that there's less risk? Yeah, you know, I think from a if you view it on a on sort of a fund level, on a portfolio level, um, you're still looking for the same. You know, a lot of people say, "Well, yeah, we want a three. You know, we want a three x fund. We want a five x fund." Um, and so, regardless of what stage somebody's investing, they often use that that sort of same multiple to target their fund to. Um, now, the composition of the companies within that tend to change in a you know in a meaningful way where um, you're just going to have a much higher failure rate uh, as an early stage investor um, than you are as a late stage investor um, so when I was uh, doing later stage investing um, the firm took very 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 few um, zeros but you know again that you know the you're 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 talking about um, investing in in businesses that have you know somewhere between you know eight and ten uh, on the low end and, you know, up to hundreds of millions of dollars in revenue. So it's, you know, things have to go really wrong for a company of that scale to uh, to fully wash out uh, an investor who holds preferred shares. Um, and so that's just, it's just very, very rare. Um, and so you, you end up with, a, you know, a, a much tighter band of potential outcomes. Um, now, I, I think the truth is that, um, that the dynamic of the majority of venture returns being um, driven by uh, really, really large outcomes is actually still true at the later stage, um, just probably to a little bit of a lesser degree. Um, and so you need those, you know, those uncapped upside 10x, 20x, 30x type investments to drive your returns um, across the entire industry from uh, early stage where it's particularly true um, all the way through late stage. So the uh, your perception right now is the public markets still look good, still a lot of a lot of companies that might get out this year, perhaps. Um, I think that there'll be plenty of companies that get out this year. Um, I think that there's there's plenty of appetite for the public um, uh, for the public buyers. Um, the, the the new issuance market feels uh, relatively healthy to me right now. Um, I wouldn't say that I'm necessarily particularly bullish on. Um, on the public markets, um, it it you know it feels like we're you know we're we're sitting around uh, you know all time highs, um, and uh, you know and I think a lot of what's um, you know happening in D.C. Um, feels a little bit inflationary to me. Um, if we it it feels like either very little is going to happen, or if anything does happen, it feels like it might be a little bit inflationary to me. Um, and you mean uh, the tax cuts? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I understand that if, if reported tax cuts. Or? Yeah, I understand if nobody pays taxes, that's that's good for driving economic activity. <laughs> um, but but you know, on, on, on sort of a long enough uh, time frame, um, I think that that has uh, implications as it relates to uh, inflations and interest rates, and 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 and, and eventually, um, it feels like that you know kind of has to has to uh, you know come back down to come back down to earth. Right. Yeah, it's funny. I uh, I have I've been. 
not the best, most diligent newsreader lately, but it does seem like the um, the H one. I mean, just from the little I've heard, the H one B policies seem not great for tech. Yeah. At least what I mean. I'm not sure if it's too early to say it's it's a disaster or if it's just like it's looking pretty bad. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm not. I just I should be more up to speed on exactly how bad it is. But yeah, some of it get kind of kind of that's why I listen to podcasts and not, yeah. and not news shows. I, <laughs> yeah, sometimes the news can get fairly. Well, it's. I mean, the you know the the truth is it's probably less impactful um, in the in in the tech community as as we sort of think about it. Okay, um, than the headline. Than the headline risk, okay. um, because you know a, a lot of those visas go to, um, you know, offshore, uh, you know, outsourcing firms, and okay. and that's not that's not really how like you and I think of what right. the tech community right. actually is, um, and uh, so. You know, I, I I think that it's you know it it's the type of thing that frustrates everyone in the tech community, and and I think it's great that we can um, rally around the idea that. Um, you know that, that we want an immigration system that makes sense and benefits everybody. Right. Um, and I think that uh, you know there's a lot of evidence to show that um, you know bringing in uh, you know very talented you know high uh, tax paying right. um, uh, earners is, is is beneficial for all of us. Um, uh, and yet. Uh, and yet, I don't think that it's going to. I don't think. I don't think that it's going to have a tremendous impact on on sort of what we do on a day to day basis. It feels like it's more an impact on the margins. Okay. Um, but something that I think the tech community should, um, you know, it, in spite of that, rally against. Yeah. Well, there's the. Uh, and then I think there's also the uh, taking away the the carried uh, interest sort of tax uh, break. I think that might also be on the. Uh, although I'm not sure if you really call it a break. I. I mean, it's all in how you phrase the issue, but I mean, the, I, I thought I thought generally the idea behind capital gains, I mean, like if you ask yourself, well, why do we have a capital gains tax rate? Well, okay, we're trying to encourage investments in certain mm-hmm. types of um, in certain types of places, and and typically what we're talking about is stuff that takes years to grow. So if you invest something, it takes years for it to grow. Then, in some sense, the capital gains tax rate is like an acknowledgement of inflation. In some sense, like. You, know, you didn't have the, the capital went into something it was stuck there for a while and when you finally got it out a number of years went by so therefore we're going to give you a break in the tax rate because one probably some of it's inflation mm-hmm. two we want to encourage people to make these sort of long-term bets and then somehow the uh, yeah the venture industry gets dragged into this because the because uh, <laughs> the capital the capital gain the capital gain some of it on these investments is allocable to the general partners and a disp- disproportionate to the capital contribution, which is the economic deal struck, mm-hmm. um, but there's this perception that it's unfair somehow that the the general partners are getting capital gains for essentially the argument is just oh you just manage people's money mm-hmm. that should be ordinary income or something I don't know how that's going to turn out yeah. I know the Obama administration had that in its sights too for a long time it was never able to effectually it's not it's not actually easy from a technical point of view to actually close that off because yeah. there's so many different things that can happen. Um, but even, I don't know if you've been following that either or if you, or well, like me. And I, just look, this just, this gets kicked around every, every couple of years. Um, and you know, it's typically, I mean, it's typically around an election. Um, and, and, and people, uh, you know, d- declare what they want to do with, you know, with, with, with their agenda and, you know, both, both, you know, foreign and domestic. And then people say, well, how are you going to pay for it? And they say, well, we're going to close the, you know, we're, we're going to close this loophole. Yeah. And it's, and so, you know, it, it's, it always gets bandied about, um, you know, I, 
truthfully, I think I think you can actually I think you can make a reasonable argument actually on, on, on sort of both sides. I don't personally know any venture capitalists that will quit the industry um, if uh, if if this tax policy changes. Um, you know, I, this isn't why you got. No, this isn't I, why you chose to be a VC. Yeah, I, like to, you <laughs> it know. wasn't because the tax on carried interest was favorable. Yeah, if you want, yeah, if you're worried about, you know, if you're trying to make the most money and you, uh, and you know, and you want to uh, optimize your, you know, your tax treatment, um, you know, you'll 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 be working in private equity, not venture. Right. Um, you know, people who work in this industry do it because they love, you know, they love being around technology. They love meeting people. They love helping to build companies. Um, and, and, and I just, I can't imagine that, um, that there's a bunch of people that, you know, sort of leave the industry as a result of, um, of any sort of tax treatment. Yeah. Mike, what are your thoughts on those, on those public policy issues? Or should we move yeah. on to more tax? Well, public things? policy stuff is, is interesting, but I, I have less to contribute on it. Uh, but, but I would love to hear about the types of things that James is looking at. You know, VCs have a kind of an interesting perspective. They've got to predict what the next big thing is going to be. So I'm always interested to hear kind of what your take is on, you know, where you're like, where you're looking to put money, the, the, the trends in technology that you guys think have promise and the ones that maybe you think are overrated. So we, we talk a lot about, uh, VR and AR and AI, uh, AI technology. I, I'm just kind of curious to know what your thoughts are on, on, you know, where's the smart money? Yeah. Well, I mean, those are, you know, th- those are kind of the two that everybody talks about today. Um, and, uh, and, and so, you know, for, for, we can sort of address them, I think, um, uh, individually because, you know, one is really on, on sort of the enterprise B2B side of the house. Um, I, to, to a large extent. And then, and then, you know, I think AR VR would, would, you know, would be primarily a consumer play. Um, but, uh, you know, look, I, I think, uh, AI is something that everybody is paying attention to. Um, it's, it's become the new, um, the new king of buzzword bingo, um, to where every company says, well, we're, we're an A, we're an AI company. And then the next question is, okay, well, what do you actually do? Like if I assume you're not a general, you know, a general AI uh, company, so you're not really an AI company. What what business problem are you actually solving? Yeah, that, that reminds um, me of and, uh, of the, the cloud in general because yep. it can mean so many different things. And and I, I remember having conversations with my father, and he, you know, he's a he's an investor. He likes to invest. He pays attention to things, but he's not super tech savvy. And he and he he would just say, oh well, these guys do the cloud. And I'd say, well, what what do you mean by <laughs> what do you mean by they do the cloud? Do you do you know what they what do they do? And yeah, AI seems like it could be the same thing that there's a lot of ways you could factor AI into a business, but it may not necessarily be an AI. Uh, I guess it just depends on how you apply it in terms of whether it has value or not. Um, same, same thing. Yeah, with the cloud. It, it, it has to drive value within, it has to drive value within an, an enterprise. Um, uh, otherwise, um, you know, otherwise what are you doing? You're just, you know, you're, you're playing around with algorithms and that's fun, but, but it's not, it's not really a business or at least, um, you know, not one that's likely to get funded. And so, um, you know, and we, we've seen the story play out. It was, um, it was the cloud, then it was big data. Um, now AI is like, you know, everybody wants to, to, you know, sort of pitch their, um, you know, their, their, their own special brand of it. But there was, uh, I can't remember who it was. It might've been, it might've been PitchBook or it might've been CB Insights or somebody put out, um, you know, some of their content marketing was like the 50 AI companies you have to be paying attention to. Um, and then it had a really interesting graphic where it, it sort of, uh, you know, it sh- kind of showed arrows um, where it, it it bucketed the companies into what are they actually doing? Okay, well, this is AI for CRM, and this is AI for healthcare, 
and this is AI for you know whatever whatever it is. And so, you know, if you just stripped away that that first part of the chart, um, you would just say, well, this is just the next you know the next crop of startups that are attached that are attacking all of these different individual markets. And so, um, yeah, I don't necessarily um, see it as 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 like this revolutionary thing um, that, uh, this, you know, this kind of re revolutionary um, uh, transition that um, that is going to fundamentally change the way that venture capitalists think about investing or anything like that um, in the same way that, you know, you, you could say mobile as a trend, um, you know, was, was sort of a, a, a sea change. To me, this feels more evolutionary. Um, and it's just becoming table stakes for everything that we look at. Um, you know, can you use these techniques to build a better product that creates a, you know, a bigger impact within, uh, within an enterprise? Um, and so we're hearing, I mean, we're hearing a lot about, uh, a lot about that. I think it's in, um, you know, pretty much every pitch that, uh, that we're, that we're seeing these days. So, Mike, your your uh, meditation apps are AI enabled, right? Yeah, not, not quite, not 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 just yet. I mean, I'd love to think of a way to do it uh, because I, I'm interested in AI, and I like I've done some AI projects. So, so I mean, I have the, the ability to program some things um, that would you know take advantage of neural network, but the neural networks for meditation just haven't been a, a thing yet. By the way, I, I don't know I don't know when this will when this podcast we tend to trail a little bit and when we release podcasts, but the meditation app that I've been kind of mentioning on and off for the last you know year or so. That we're building it is now um, publicly available. It's, it's we we launched it as a you know so you can find it now and I guess I can give people y URLs. But um, if, if people go to yeah, tell me tell me where to it's find a it. Holistrio is the name of the of the new site. It's uh, let's see how that's spelled. H O L like it's it's like a combination of holistic holistic as like the the approach and trio because we take kind of three three separate classes of of uh, meditations um, and so it's. Holistrio, H O L I S T R I O dot com. And it's and it's okay. uh and it's actually, you know, we still have a bit of work to do in, in continuing to flesh out the library, but it's it's full fully functional and we've got our first paying customers that aren't friends. Uh so so it's you know starting to work. Anyway, that was kind of a big it was a big uh a big couple of weeks for us the last couple of weeks. I just got back from Scotland and we did uh we did kind of the the final touches on it, me, me and my business partner and and then uh and then put it up live. So Anyway, so for people yeah, that have been slowly, you know, paying attention, we, we, Joe and I mostly focus on the folks that are on the show, but occasionally we hint at the things we're working on. And so if anybody's interested in checking it out, go, go take a look. Yeah. Yeah. No, I was, I was sort of half joking, but you have done, you have done some work in the, in the in trying to, trying to use some, uh, some of this technology, this machine learning technology to sort of improve business processes. Oh, yeah. It's maybe, maybe not your meditation apps, but your other other products. Yeah, I'm super so. excited about AI. I mean, I don't know about it in terms of an investment opportunity or, or finding companies that are, you know, somehow leveraging AI in some way that, that would make them a great investment. But, but, um, I've played with some of the, I've, I've set up neural networks and trained them on things for, for, uh, projects that I've worked on that are unrelated to the meditation stuff. And it's really powerful stuff, but it's, it's like a, it's an amazing tool that's in search of great problems to solve. And, um, so it's really all about, you know, it's the, the AI itself isn't what you would invest in. It's, you got to find the, uh, some kind of problem that can be solved with it that, that hasn't been, you know, hasn't been possible before. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's really cool stuff, but yeah, I could see, I could see how, um, you know, you'd have to look a lot deeper when somebody's pitching, like, like when somebody comes to Voyager and pitches an idea, I would think that the, that you said like the AI is kind of like table stakes. I would think. AI just the fact that that a company can leverage AI just helps 
explain maybe how they're going to create value because the AI can capture value by, by replacing human beings. And, and so, you know, it, it, it seems like it, it would be a, you know, a plus one or plus two on a company if they were able to leverage that in some way, because hopefully their costs would be lower um, than, than the businesses they're competing against. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. And I'm not sure, James, I'm not sure. Like I haven't, I haven't like, I'm not sure like in terms of Seattle, like how many true AI companies we have here. I mean, a takeaway, obviously take away the big companies, but true startup AI startups. I'm not sure. Like I, I don't know. I missed demo day last night. I wish I'd, I wish I'd gone. I, I always like to go, but then I always, something always comes up on the day of, and um, so I felt bad. Were you excited about, about Techstars Demo Day? Did you see some stuff that yeah. you liked? What did you yeah, see? yeah, I, I, yeah, I enjoyed it tremendously. Um, so uh, I, uh, yeah, I was there in, in the morning, uh, there was nine companies that presented, um, and the quality was actually really high. Um, so I've, uh, you know, had, uh, this is my first Techstars Demo Day up here, um, but I had previously done, um, you know, YC Demo Day. Right. Um, and I felt like the, I felt like the quality um, was, was the sort of the average quality was actually um, probably a little higher than um, what I saw at, at, at YC in those days. And it was also, you know, truthfully, just a much better format. I mean, YC had scaled to the point where, um, you know, they were doing 80 or 90 companies in one day. Right. And, Two to six in the afternoon, two days in a row, or something. Is the well now it's actually split two days. Yeah, yeah. Um, Last one was two days. Yeah, yeah. It's a lot of stuff. At at the time I was going, it was actually still one day, and and like you couldn't. uh, It it was impossible for the people in the crowd to uh, to actually like be able to process what you know what you're seeing when you see that many companies in a row. Um, so this was, uh, you know, these, these guys were, uh, you know, were up giving the pitch and, um, they did a, they did a great job. Yeah. That's great. That's great. Well, I've, yeah, I mean, obviously tech, tech stars in Seattle, I mean, I've forgotten now how many classes they've had come through, but it's been really impactful yeah. thing to have in Seattle. Yeah. Yeah. They did a, uh, they did a fantastic job. Um, and I, I think Chris DeVore does a great job getting them, getting them prepped and ready to, uh, to tell the story and, um, you know, I, I'm 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 a big fan of, um, you know, particularly in a in sort of a, a market outside of the Bay Area. Um, you know, I'm a big fan of these uh, of organizations that, um, you know, that that bring that sense of critical mass. Um, and uh, and and I would put uh, Pioneer Square Labs in that in that camp as well. Um, I'm a really big fan of what uh, what those guys are doing. And um, so it's you know you you have those sort of these you know these the, these pockets within the tech community of of, of people that. Um, you know, we're just working at a frenetic pace, and and everybody's bouncing ideas off of e- off of each other. It's um, it can be a really powerful uh, you know motivator and, and accelerant for um, for companies that uh, you know at the very early stage. And um, so I think they uh, I think they do a, a really nice job. Um, and and you know particularly with 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 demo day, it kind of brings the brings the community together. I saw a bunch of familiar faces up from yeah. the Bay Area. Yeah. Um, people who were paying a lot of attention to Seattle. Um, and so I think there were, uh, some, some really impressive companies. Yeah. What, like, what are your yes. thoughts about Seattle versus, versus the Bay area now that, you know, you th- now that you're here, I mean, what are, what are, what's your take? I mean, does it, how, how do you, how do you feel about Seattle? How does it compare? Yeah. So it's, um, I, you know, I think that it's, it's probably more similar than different. Um, you know, there are the people up here, you know, just as smart. Um, they're, you know, they're working on solving just as hard of problems. Are people um, more uptight in Seattle? 
<laughs> they're not. They're not even. Are not even necessarily. Are people a little more high-strung Seattle? No, and you know, I mean, for me, it's you know, I'm I'm like reintegrating with the community, so you know, I, I didn't. I don't feel like I fell victim to the you know to the Seattle freeze um, of uh, you know of making friends up here because um, you know it's it's I'm I'm you know reconnecting with everybody and and uh, so it's been you know it's been great to be back up here, but. Um, you know, I think the, the 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 primary difference to me that I've um, that I've seen um, is uh, it, it really has more to do with risk tolerance, um, and I think that that's uh, you know certainly a criticism that I think entrepreneurs have leveled at the investment community up here, um, or at least I've heard a lot of them say um, that the investment community here is a little bit uh, more risk averse than they'd like to see. Right. Um, uh, but I, I think that that also kind of permeates to uh, to just the kind of the tech community in general, um, uh, because you can't you can't really um, you know address the, the the tech community in Seattle without talking about Microsoft and Amazon, um, and uh, and you know as a result of of their sort of prominence in this market, um, I think that that has impact on people's willingness to to kind of take risks to go to a startup and. Um, and, you know, and, and work on that new idea. Um, and so, um, y- you know, Amazon's had such an amazing run, um, you know, that, and, and they have a lot of, uh, you know, variables, dot comp, and, uh, uh, and so people just kind of feel locked up in that ecosystem. And it's such an innovative company right. that you can kind of scratch the itch um, within the organization. Right. And and so, that's been. Um, I think that that's one of the things that uh, that founders struggle with here is is trying to hire people out of those organizations, um, because you know mostly because Amazon's been doing so well, it's hard to get anybody to leave. Right. Um, and I think Microsoft has historically, uh, at least prior to the Satya days, um, attracted a, a less, a more risk averse employee. Um, right. And and so there, I think that that's changing in a major way. And I think I'm pretty actually excited about what's happening with Microsoft, and um, they're doing a bunch of awesome awesome things. But I think historically, that's pr- it's probably been fair to say that, um, and that's where so much talent is today locked up that can really supercharge this ecosystem. And and I think that I think that that's all changing, and uh, and the next ten years will be a, a really really exciting time to be up here. Right. Well, if the next ten years is anything like the last ten years, um, it, it's actually I'm not I'm not sure mathematically if it's possible if we could see a, uh, you know, if we took South Lake Union like t- you know ten years ago and we measured what's transpired and then said oh we're going to do it again in the next ten I'm not sure Math, I mean it just seems like I don't know if there's a room down there actually to double down there um, from where they from where they are now I don't I don't know but it's been astounding Let's hope the next ten years are as good. Yeah, not maybe they won't be the same in any event, but no. I hope, let's hope they are as good. No, Amazon's a Amazon's a once in a generation type company. I mean, it is. It is I mean, I, I can't. I just have a tremendous amount of respect for for you know for that organization. And um, yeah, there might not ever be another Amazon, and if there is, it might not be built here. But yeah. um, but they're they're going to spin out a ton of entrepreneurs, um, a lot of people that I'm going to want to, that I'm going to want to work with yeah. that are going to build a bunch of really interesting companies. Yeah. So, okay. Speaking on that point, if folks want to get a hold of you, what's the easiest and best way to find you? Yeah. So I'm, uh, I'm pretty much everywhere. Um, and, uh, and, and I try to be pretty responsive to people in the community. Uh, but my, 
emails on the website. Okay, and uh, and that's generally the generally the best way to get hold of me. Yeah, and you're looking. I mean, to Voyager, you're looking at B two B enterprise. Yeah, not consumer. Not. I mean, someone really. I mean, maybe great to meet somebody who's working on a consumer facing yeah. app, but probably not. Probably not in the zone of what you're looking at. Yeah, my uh, my brilliant colleague Randall has been on the show, and, and I think he, he does a, a much better job of, of explaining, you know, Voyager. Um, yeah. he, he he does a great uh, commercial pitch on uh, on Voyager, so I don't want to bore the the your longtime listeners, but um, but we're, we we tend to do most of the stu- most of our uh, investing on the B two B side. Yep. Um, I actually have done a ton of consumer investing in my prior life, um, and so you know I've actually been spending time with consumer okay. entrepreneurs um, you know and telling them up front like you know hey we're we're really more focused on b2b so right. we have a you know we're gonna have a really high bar on anything we do on the consumer side yeah um, but let's chat let me see if I can be helpful to you sure um, and you know for me I'm a I'm a big believer in ecosystem development and 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 just being you know being here and and, and being helpful and and so um, you know, I'm, I'm sort of in a phase of, uh, you know, of coming into this ecosystem where I'm just trying to help as many people as I can. Yeah. Well, that's great. Hey, thanks so much for being on the show. Again, James Newell from uh, Voyager Capital. And uh, I guess one other thing about Voyager Capital, so Randall and I do the office hours at the UW once a, once a month, uh, first, first Wednesday of every month. I'm virtually certain that's correct. Um, but so, yeah, if you want to get out and, uh, and talk to folks at Voyager, don't hesitate to reach out to James or come out to the UW and talk to Randall. It's great. Anything else, no, Mike? Fantastic. It's been really great having you on, James. Thanks for listening. Uh, thanks for being here. And uh, and thanks everyone else for listening. We'll see you all next week.